my <laughs> AOL email address was Betty with an IE 501 because Betty was what they called pretty girls and clueless. Oh, wow. that's because that's what we called pretty girls in that time at that time mm-hmm. yeah she's a betty <laughs> and in fact that's funny oh. I, there was this has anyone have any of you ever heard of, heard of the band betty from that era from like the 90s Mm-mm. the early 90s so when i was working at the hard rock the band betty came and played and i was all of 19 years old 20 years old mm. and i worked stage security for them because it was an all-girl band you know Mm-hmm. And the bassist, I never forget the, the bassist was almost as tall as me. Wow. Like she was a huge woman. I love her. Um, I loved her too. Um. <laughs> Welcome to that episode was We Are Popsicle. Yes, we are. By the way, Justin, I keep meaning to say this. I love that like when we were coming up with like when we were trying to figure out the theme song for this um you were like I don't know I don't like it I guess it's fine for now whatever and now every time we do a recording after the we are popsicle you do a little dance because you hear the song in your head (laughs) I definitely don't hear the song in my head I am I'm just imagining music Mm -hmm. that's what I thought yeah I'm just imagining music I'm just imagining music yes the the music he would rather have that's pretty much what I said no not but not our music I'm imagining you know Something funky. I don't know. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I see. So you wow. still hate the theme music. <laughs> wow. I do dance, though. Yes, you're right about that. <laughs> My negritude overtakes Wow, so me. just so we're clear, Justin still doesn't like the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? Anyway. <laughs> but there's also no way to prove that he doesn't hear it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. You, you may, if you like, assume that I'm lying. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, All right, anyway. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to The Sandman Season 1, Episode 9, Collectors, in which we visit the serial convention. The series was developed by Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, and showrunner Alan Heinberg. This episode was written by Vanessa Benton, and it was directed by Coralie Varja. Hello, welcome. You're with me hosting this today. I'm Lisa K. Weber. Um, And with me, the whole crew is here again. So I'm going to start with Kelly Sue Milano. Are you feeling better today? Oh, so much better. Thank the Lord. You must be because you look fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. Dare I say, (laughs) like a Betty. Oh, uh-huh. Ayo. <laughs> something that won't make it onto the podcast. You don't know that. <laughs> I'll see. Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh. I think someone knows that. 
he is our producer and he has already decided what he's cutting out of today's conversation. <laughs> it's Philip Kelly. Hi, Philip. Hey, hey, good morning, y'all. <laughs> and um, on the cutting room floor, that's Justin Peniston. <laughs> I'm laying here on the cutting room floor with all the music we could have been listening to at the opening. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and of course, as always, we are joined by Claire Thorne. How are you today, Claire? I'm awake. Um, Philip and I partied a little late last night. Ooh. Yeah. I think you what mean this. You doing? You can do that if yeah, you want. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, regular party animals up in here. Yeah. Um, and speaking of animals, let's start the discussion at the convention with serial killers. Um, and we can also talk about like the road trip elements, like this side of things, like road trips and conventions. We've got motherfucking Corinthian, who is like in full frontal mode in this episode. <laughs> um, we've got, of course, we've got Jed and Rose and they're like coming closer and closer and closer together. Um, we've got, oh. My love, Fiddler's Green. <laughs> and then, you know, a whole bunch of like horrible, monstrous serial killers. So um, thoughts, impressions on this side of what's going on? Um, to start, the Corinthian can get it. Oh, yeah, he can. Number one. <laughs> I mean, give the man an Emmy. Mm -hmm. Because, Wow. He was the command so perfect in the voice episode. work. Yeah. I mean, Boyd Holbrook is killing it. Ha! I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> um, just amazing. I love when a bad guy can be so wonderful that you're just like, can you be on screen the whole time? Yeah. Um, yeah. and how the way that he um, endears himself to Jed mm -hmm. the whole conversation while they're having ice cream. I'm literally like, this is borderline wholesome. How? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then all of this stuff, I mean, the serial convention came to life in the most beautiful way for me. The second that I saw the guy playing Funland, I was like, you're straight out of the comic. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, those are all of my initial impressions of this episode, which I absolutely love. And Stephen Fry as Fiddler's Green, please. Please. Yeah. Like, I can't say enough about it. I, I, I'm, I'm almost rendered speechless about it because it's so perfect. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it all offsets Dream being a little punk ass bitch well we're gonna get to the dreaming in the next section and talk all about that business <laughs> <laughs> but for now we're keeping it in the real world i, I want to say world. that world. in so i rewatched both episodes nine and ten last night mm. and as i was taking my notes i think i made a note i made three distinct notes 
about how awesome Bold, Boyd Holbrook was as the Corinthian. Mm -hmm. um, he clearly, absolutely was the standout in episode nine. Like oh, he, yeah. and yeah. I really, I think a lot about in the real world, you know, they, they talk about the banality of evil. Like evil is not normally the way we see the current, the Corinthian is not the way you see evil in the real world. Do you know what I mm -hmm. mean? The closest thing would be Trump actually, because mm -hmm. Trump is whatever else he is, he's charismatic and people freaking, you know, are drawn to him. And the people in the show and the viewers are like moths fluttering around this candle, you mm -hmm. know, when it comes to the Corinthian. I mean, and the amazing thing is he pretty much doesn't lie. He's, you know, he might mm -hmm. obfuscate. He omits. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. you know, but he <laughs> is, you're charmed by how well he dances between the raindrops with this whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have to be reminded that he's horribly, horribly evil. You have to be reminded of that. Um, and like when because every man who's even a tiny bit gay in this show immediately responds to uh, the Corinthian. Immediately. And I found myself thinking at one point, I think I'm a tiny bit gay on this show. You know, like I was like, I'm, I'm listen, responding to him. You know? Everybody, listen, mm -hmm. everybody's gay. I mean, we're all gay. Lizzo wrote a song about it. I mean, it's, it's, so yeah. yeah. So yes. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like, he's, there are so many people on the show where you're like, this is the best casting choice on the show, you know? Yeah. And, you know, where you feel that way. And yet he's the best casting choice on this show. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I hate that he probably won't be in what we hope is a second season. Mm -hmm. Well, and to be brought to the place where you're thinking as the audience that like, oh, um, being with the Corinthian is just like the best thing for Jed. <laughs> like your his circumstances, A, were so horrible previously uh -huh. and b that road trip with the corinthian is is like a truly like lovely healing like i would i would hire how do, do you hire big brothers or do you just accept them like you would approve their background check just based on you know that conversation and the whole ice creamness of it it was yeah. Someone needs to warn Claire's child. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true though Corinthian that it's like definitely signing up for service at the Boys and Girls Club for sure. But yeah, like you, I mean, yeah, it's like, like what y'all are saying. It's like you, you, you're lulled into through Jed. You're lulled into this sense of safety with him, mm -hmm. which is insane because we know he is the opposite of safe. Yeah. Um, Although but, Jed is probably safe with him. But Jed is safe with him. So we as the viewers are like, oh, okay, Jed's safe. <laughs> and with that feeling, you're like, oh, the Corinthian. Look how sweet he's being. <laughs> what a doll. <laughs> Here's one thing I will say about the Corinthian that actually bums me out. It's superficial, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm so bummed that we didn't get even one shot of like him with the glasses down and all yeah. the eyes mm -hmm. smiling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm so sad that we didn't get even just one. 
Yeah, they. I think we've mentioned before how they kind of yeah. dropped the ball with his. They dropped the ball his, on the yeah. eye reveal. Yeah. Like, can we get like a poster yeah. or something? Yeah, Kelly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sue. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I got you, yeah. Kelly. We're all on. We're all on board there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna fix it yeah. for you. All right. We needed yeah. a nice like. Post Merry Christmas. Thank you. Yay, she's making it for me for Christmas. A Denethor eating the tomatoes, like close-up of his eyeballs like just mm -hmm. post yeah meal mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah. post meal okay yes post uh -huh. yes yeah. just like yes. the dinosaur thing was didn't we get one shot of him like wiping blood from his yes a little bit was yeah. one yeah. of that but yeah yes. if we have it to wasn't enough her, it wasn't yeah, enough say, if we have to question if we saw that then that wasn't yeah. done quite no. the way yeah. we were wanting it to but maybe yeah. we're gonna get a corinthian spinoff I'd watch yeah. I'm ready for this thing to be fully franchised. I need spinoffs. Yes. <laughs> I need a Joanna Constantine spinoff. Uh -huh. yes. I need a Corinthian spinoff. Like, just give me all the spinoffs. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't think we would like a Corinthian spinoff. I think Corinthians like Electra. I think once you start <laughs> making them the central character, like they lose some of their mystique. Well, yeah. then, then you don't keep him the central character. You just keep him something that kind of zigzags in and wow. out of the story. As we kind of like dream himself. Stories. Indeed. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. the, anyway. My, the highlight for me in this episode in the, the convention was just the, the montage of Fiddler realizing what oh that was great like yeah, just yeah. popping really into great. the panels like a it was so comic book convention that's totally. such a so, nod yeah. to the people <laughs> who are you know the the core the inner core of the audience right like we all <laughs> feel like a, totally understand all of those moments mm -hmm. and it they were just so hilarious and the fact that there was a women's like like women mm -hmm. in in ser serial kind of like <laughs> perspective on a, yeah. a male mm -hmm. uh, that was the uh, dominated <laughs> I don't know a male dominated reality. field of serial I use killers the same yeah. things that everybody else uses exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all of those moments were wonderful and just heightened by the by Stephen Fry's like <sighs> confusion and facial expressions and like slow realization and just mm. it was delightful yeah. And I mean, Absolutely. like the reason I love the character Fiddler Screen as much as I do is because he's so pure mm -hmm. and so sweet and innocent. And so the fact that it's like you, you see it dawning on him through every panel he wanders into is played out so well with Stephen Fry. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, and I just make it pay him. panel. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all of it was brilliant it was yeah. totally brilliant the the cherry on top is i felt the moment that he sees the corinthian and they see each other and he does the one mm -hmm. thing that i'm like there you go and he's like i need to get out of here yeah <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that whole little sequence left me feeling as every scene with Stephen Fry in the show left me feeling that he, I wanted more Fiddler's yeah. Green. I wanted yeah. I wanted him to yeah. matter more to the story. I love Stephen yeah. Fry, and 
I was like, man, this is almost a tease because we don't get that much Stephen Fry. We don't really get, you know. Yeah, I was disappointed. I do remember having disappointment. I think it was in episode, yeah, it was episode eight because it's like he's introduced in episode seven and then he's not in episode eight at all. Yeah. And then he comes in here and he's he plays like a bigger part of the story here. And But I'm like, I feel like it was a missed opportunity to like really get us like to love Fiddler's Green, like as much yeah. as I do from the comics mm -hmm. anyway. Like I bring my love of him from the comics to this. So, I mean, we can just watch the scene where he is basically very nicely telling Rose that her objections to him going with her are just like, he's just going to go with her. And mm -hmm. he, he's trying to be very, you know, nice about it. <laughs> but it's, yeah, that if you want to, lift your spirits, um, feel loved for a little bit. You just watch that scene over and over again. I find yeah. myself wondering from the perspective of someone who had never read the comic, if they understood, because we have, at this point, it hasn't been revealed and spoiler, if you have not finished the series <laughs> or read the comic, you know, this, the, uh, Fiddler's Green recognizes the Corinthian before the audience is told that Fiddler, that, that Gilbert is Fiddler's Green and a place rather than a person mm -hmm. because Fiddler's Green recognizes the Corinthian, but the Corinthian doesn't recognize Fiddler's Green. He just sees right. someone staring at him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They only and make they only make I will say very in subtle... this episode, they it's revealed that he is Fiddler's Green in this episode. It's revealed that he's a place in the next episode. Right. They they make some subtle uh I, I guess like um connections with it early on. Like they, when they when they're showing the, the things on the gla stained glass window and they say and Fiddler's Green, they show a place and not a person like on the other two. Right. So they they, they make. Well, some I remember even reading the references. comics. Like as soon as Gilbert showed up, I remember being like, "Oh, that's Fiddler's Green. He's wearing all green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. clearly Fiddler's Green. <laughs> yeah. He's... So it wasn't like it wasn't a huge spoiler. Right. That right. 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 And right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think one of my favorite moments with him in this episode is like she's like so you're from uh you're British and something like that and he's like you know oh, he's oh. like yeah, yeah she's like oh home, she says oh home is England you sound British and he goes like, oh, thank, thank you. you yeah like oh well yes, I I'm, loved that, that so I'm, much that is what I'm trying to do so I'm glad that I'm was so delightful and his, his constant <laughs> reference to Chesterton like this is who I wanted to be while I was here Chesterton uh, I love it little little things like that i think are really smart and fry sells really well yeah. um the uh uh the, the thing i like about uh uh holbrook as the corinthian is his mouth acting like even though we never see his eyes we feel his eyes because he's doing that thing with his mouth a lot he uses his teeth mm -hmm. a lot um yeah. and so you get the sense that Good call. Like he's like you. You yeah. get you get that feeling of the eyes just through mm -hmm. his one mouth, and it's a it's a Absolutely. really really good his performance. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, and so yeah. well, he's yeah. got three. He does have three. Yeah, I know, but I but know. You, but you do get that sense um, that yeah. everything he does, he's doing a little yeah. extra with that mouth. And yeah, it's great. Like, it's really good. He, Boyd Holbrook can just be sitting in the big like Hall H thing, like when he's just sitting there listening to the opening speech or whatever. And he's got this look in the way he's holding his head up, like, like just he is oozing charm mm -hmm. and 
entertainment and just uh-huh. like he sex. is he's oozing can, sex yeah yeah, yeah. okay yes, let's not yeah. forget that's also what he is oozing mm-hmm. because yes. it's like yeah. it's it's undeniable I don't what he's talking about all the things he's oozing but yes you're correct <laughs> i do yeah. i'll talk about what he's using all day <laughs> top to bottom <laughs> Top uh, to bottom. It, 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 it is like, I find it interesting in this episode, uh, and it's hard for me to talk about this without talking about Dream a little bit. Um, because as you as y'all were saying, we're like on kind of Corinthian side this episode a little bit. We're like, oh, he's so sweet. But they juxtapose that with us really starting to dislike Dream. Uh, and, and so that's an interesting sort of, I think, turn of the wheel a little bit or turn of the screw because uh, you you really don't leave this episode oh nice reference to turn of the screw yeah. <laughs> um i you know we've all we've all you know talked about we've all gushed about the corinthian mm-hmm. and his juices um and so we can use that as our transition into talking all about what is happening in the dreaming um because as you know, yes, Dream is behaving pretty shittily at this point. Um, and, but I will say the scene of him awkwardly going to Lucian to like <laughs> not apologize and ask for her help was like so endearing to me. Uh-huh. I was like, cause he was just, it, you could see how much pain he was in yeah. to have to like go and like, mm-hmm be uncomfortable about his behavior to her mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. well I also I loved, loved it Matthew yeah. chatting with Lucienne being like this is happening and she's like I'm just a librarian uh-huh oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. And, and she I plays like, that scene with dreams so well too where he's yeah. like uh so you know I I'm doing you a favor by taking some of these responsibilities back and she's like uh-huh Mm-hmm. yeah sure and he's like so uh do you know anything about these earthquakes <laughs> oh my god oh and my the god whole, the whole scene with merv yes yeah. yes yeah. and he's yes. like oh i'll tell lucienne about it i don't want to bother you and he's all like <laughs> well (laughs) that's my job yeah it's like these it's these moments that it that i that i found dream endearing sure sure because it was like he was he was actually acting like a person Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah he was and i love that murph was like cool so do you want me to fix those for (laughs) you or is that just going to keep happening (laughs) and i'm like Merb coming in with some savage passive aggression. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout also, out to Mark Hamill, y'all. That is an expressive pumpkin. Yeah, yes, well, it is. there is. You sure know, is. Mark Hamill is like compared to a lot of CG performers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who's been doing voice voiceover work for decades. Mm-hmm. And so it's effortless for him. He mm-hmm. is, or at least it seems effortless for him. I don't want to belittle what he, what the work he's doing, but he's freaking like, yes, Boyd Holbrook is the gold medal winner of this episode, 
But that's only because Mark Hamill's like, I'm not bothering to compete with you, homie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was like, he, like his performance was golden, dude. I was like, oh my god, you know. Um, I always yeah. get the feeling that Mark Hamill just innately understands every character in a way mm-hmm. that, like, mm-hmm. to some degree, like he just gets the character on a level of like even the writing team doesn't quite you know, meet up to, but yeah. he just, he just knows and understands. Yeah. I find well, he's probably has read the comic many multiple times yeah. you know, since it came out. He's a comic book guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just struck all the time now, you know, how much better an actor he is now than he was when he had first played Luke Skywalker. Well, I, I, I well, he was a child practically. Yes, <laughs> he, was. he was 19, 20, 21. But he's just like, yeah, like, well, but that's, and that's the role that everyone, you know, equates him with, but he's mm-hmm. like, he's so much better now. There's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, totally. so, there's, there's something about. Well, and also, well, I don't know. I hesitate to say anything about anything when it comes to fucking Star Wars, because I'm gonna have a bunch of people up my ass about it. But if you take it, you know, if we're talking about it generally, Luke Skywalker is not the most interesting guy. Oh, no, no. no. I mean, no, absolutely not. Yeah. He's kind of, and I hate to use the term, he's a little bit of a Mary Sue. He's, he's a he's a I was lot. gonna wow I was gonna say he's a little kids hero you yeah. know what he I mean? is. he's yeah. a little yes. kids hero yeah. exactly yeah which is why the kids exactly. love him mm-hmm. I can, kids um, feel, but anyway feel the start the Star Wars stand like yeah like so let's 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 well. move away from Star Wars and get back to Sandman totally um so like you know so we talked about the in Steering scenes with oh. Dream. Let's talk about the other ones <laughs> where wow. he is less so, um, specifically when he obviously comes to end Lyda's modernist oh. sex fantasy. Um, <laughs> modernist sex so, fantasy. and you know, which is then followed by like Rose's fucking incredible clap back like <laughs> so good <laughs> so <laughs> let's dive into that whole sequence there that scene is such a perfect it's one of the moments that is just like so blatant about how the you know we're seeing the way morpheus is literally a representation of what dreams are for mm-hmm. humans because the moment of dusting or blacking or whatever it is he's you can doing call it whatever yeah to hector uh-huh. and his next line is this is not real whatever and this is a dream it so perfectly mirrors those moments especially for people who are grieving or and or not grieving when you have those dreams where you are with the person I still have dreams about my grandfather who passed away over 30 years ago Uh where I'm in the dream with him and talking to him. And sometimes I have dreams where I'm just like catching him up on all the stuff that I've been doing. Uh And in the moment of the dream, it absolutely feels real. And then you wake as you're waking, you feel that you're still feeling like it's still real. And then there's just that harsh drop of 
nope, that was a dream. This isn't real. And it's, it is harsh mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. it just was yeah. so, yeah. I mean, the thing is like, he's not, he's not nice about it, yeah. but like, kind of like you're saying, it's not his responsibility to be nice about it. Like he's mm-hmm. thinking he, to be fair, he's thinking about the larger problem here mm-hmm. which yeah. is that everything's about to go to shit in this entire universe and this is part of the problem and none of this and is helping yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well um, i love that he was like you can keep that baby for now oh god yeah. but it yeah. is mine and i will come yeah. and i'm like yeah dude that was like maybe out. <laughs> maybe like <laughs> Maybe this wasn't the right time to make that announcement. Yeah. <laughs> You're at 11 right now. Oh. Yeah. And then I, well, I, I mean, it's perfect. It was, and it made, I think to your point, Lisa, his, the way that he was in that scene made Rose's response so fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's what I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I know in an earlier episode, we were talking about Rose sort of, sort of starting out as a softer kind of character than she is in the comic book. And th- I really liked that choice because when we finally get to this moment, it's like kind of a stand up and cheer. Like you're really, you're really on her side in, in this moment. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. if she were a stronger, more resilient character up front, I don't think this moment would have had quite that level of you know punch. I don't, yeah. I don't think the criticisms earlier were about that she lacked agency or she was weak, but that she wasn't snarky. It was mm-hmm. it was more of a personality thing. She right, wasn't, right. You know, she's, she's a she soft, yeah, what I'm saying is she's a softer but, sort of person where you don't yeah. see I, that in her necessarily. I absolutely right. agree that I one of my big takeaways from this episode was I really like Rose's agency. I really like her willingness, especially, and like you say, as sort of a soft-spoken person, you mm-hmm. know, that she's she's never deterred. And mm-hmm. when she knows that she's in the right, she is firm in her resolve, you know, yeah. and I, I really dig that about her. Yeah. Um, I, um, I was struck over and over in this whole scene by how right Dream was and by what a dick Dream was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and I also, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I was struck after watching some of episode 10, because I watched 9 and 10 back to back, I was like, you know, Dream could have been like, Hector can stay. Hector yeah. can stay. Matthew stayed. Matthew's, you know, a dead yeah. human. You know, he could have, he could have been, he, he could have been kind. But there's Would no Lida doubt he was. enjoy sex with a raven? I mean. It, he didn't have to stay as a raven. <laughs> no, I think that, I think that, I mean, I don't know. It's, but it seemed to me like. Because I I watched them back to back the other night too, and um, I remember noting that as well. Like, well, he, I mean, not to get into what happens in episode ten, we'll do that in a minute. Oh, yeah. But um, you know, I was I also thought the same thing. I was like, well, why why wouldn't he have offered that solution to Hector? But I think you know, on further kind of like examination, I think it's because Hector was there on account of Rose on account i mean as far as like the show is concerned it seemed like hector was there and that whole situation was happening on account of rose and her being a dream vortex which is what Mm -hmm. made it so dangerous Mm -hmm. whereas if it was something that he could control and something that he could offer 
um, then yeah, he, he would have been able to do it, but also it was, it was also Lida as well. He's like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't be here. You can't stay here. This isn't, this yeah. isn't how it works. Yeah. I, um, it's still just like the, the, the blatant analogy with grief again, I just, the, the, the fact that this story concept from its very beginning is such a blatant metaphor for human emotions and all of these Uh kinds of things. I just, I love that it's that blatant that it's, I just love it. I, um, that is a very, Lisa, what you just said, that is a very like clear, cogent story driven explanation. Mm-hmm. I think I was left feeling simply like dream is like you guys are fucking with my realm and it's my realm. So yeah. I'm not even making that offer. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Not also like, totally a yeah, totally fair so that, explanation as well. Yeah. That's what my that's what my feeling was. He was like, this I'm not offering y'all shit. You know, <laughs> you know, when when someone breaks into your house, do you then mm-hmm. offer them tea you know, and they're hungry? Do you offer them food or are you like, fuck you? Go to yeah. the grocery store, you know. <laughs> well, he's also like, "This is your dream house." I know. Oh, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I was like, <laughs> "I don't. I'm not. I'm not feeling like, this." You're fantasy. using the magic but... of my realm to make this minimalist nightmare. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. At that at that moment, I was like, "This should have been With an audio you, drama." <laughs> right. yeah. uh, no wonder he's pissed. Look at this. Yeah. Oh my That's goodness. Amazing. I, uh, <laughs> Minimalist nightmare. One, yeah. one thing that I, I like that they keep saying in this episode, and even the next one, I think, too, is that uh, you remember, like, you know, kind of how he's being now. You remember what he used to be like, right? Mm-hmm. He used to yeah. like, you can imagine, like, see, so, I mean, we as audience members are kind of turned off by his behavior here. But before he was the type of person who would, would create a Corinthian that could kill people. Because he's so disconnected from, as we see in this, from the actual sort of uh, just humanity and how it feels about things and, and what it's going through and what it maybe needs to hear as opposed to, you know, because uh, uh, th- there are ways he could have handled that situation in the house where it wasn't quite as devastating. You're right. Um, and especially coming from the last episode where it was like he was he was dealing with this idea of like all of he's like, so you all think you can change and I'm stuck here and I'm not allowed to change kind of, you know, <laughs> and then um, something like this happens in this entire episode, really, where he's kind of like awkwardly skirting around Lucien to try and like make up with her. Um, but doing it at first in a way of like, oh, well, I'm doing this so she'll help me. But that's also him realizing that he needs help. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, then it's almost like it leads him into the scene with Hector and Lyda, where it's like, well, this is how I've done things before. And so I know this is me doing my thing. This is me expressing myself. The only way I know how, which is the past version of me. And then it's Mm -hmm. almost like immediately after that, that it's like, he actually admits to Lucien that he was wrong. And, you know, Fiddler's Green points out like, that's huge. He would never have done that before. Um, But that's in the next episode. Oh shit! Sorry, oh, that's okay. I did it. These these I two episodes kind of run together. It is okay. <laughs> but anyway, it's like 
we've all it all kind of leads yeah, to the yeah. same to the same kind of point which is that it's like he's still it's a process right yeah. like when you change it takes a long time to recognize that you have uh -huh. and it takes a long time to kind of like realize that the old methods aren't working anymore uh -huh. um and so like the him in the house with Lyda and Hector is like these are the old methods that they don't work anymore but yeah. i know them so yeah. i yeah. use them especially yeah. when that change is coming from a place of being like hurt or wounded or yeah. damaged oh. it can make uh -huh. it that yeah. much more difficult yeah. mm -hmm. always yeah it is like the it's a study in self-awareness i guess which is a human capacity right mm -hmm. to have a personal experience and then also step outside of your experience and examine it. Um, I've been rewatching house. There's the, it all ties together. Just give me a minute. I've been rewatching. I love it already. And there is a, there's Which, a, there's this very, um, there's this really incredible line in the episode where the it's a nun that he's treating and she goes, you can't be angry at God and say that he doesn't exist. Mm. And I was thinking that while I was watching this episode where I'm like, you don't get to be all like, why well, don't change while you're changing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just really appreciated that about this episode. And it's so much of what I think the themes are, which are like, we can be so, we can become so myopic in our own experience of things and be so like, selfish sometimes in our grief and in our all of these things that we don't actually see what's really happening that mm -hmm. we're mm -hmm. we're keeping ourselves away from our own sort of deliverance i guess in a way yeah. um yeah and, and now that we brought up house if we don't add on the frame well, here we go show yeah um, i was i was like yeah. i know that claire is not gonna let it lie and of course she's not <laughs> so yes there's a connection between Such Stephen fry connection. and hugh laurie yeah. <laughs> I did that for you, Claire. Thank you. All right. Um, okay, I think that this has been a great discussion so far. So let's end on a high note and take it to break. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying this conversation, be sure to check out the latest that episode was discussion about Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. A bit later this fall, we'll be peeling back the curtain on David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with a new throwback series, That Gum You Like. And keep checking back for more popsicle pop-ups. You never know what's going to strike our fancy and spur the next big discussion. For all those updates, follow at PopsiclePod on all social medias and sign up for the Popsicle newsletter on our website, PopsiclePod.com. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Oh! And wherever you get your popsicle, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Your input helps spread the word and expand the conversation. Back from the break, ready to talk about hot takes. <laughs> I see. Um, Okay. I'm going to start with a negative, which isn't my usual bag, but it's 
here it is anyway. <laughs> um, I still continue to have a very hard time connecting with the character of Lyda as she is realized in this show. Mm -hmm. um, and it became really clear for me um, in the scene where Hector gets dusted because I felt like, like she's so perfectly quaffed all the time. We talked about how yeah. she sleeps in a fucking tux last time. And she, it's like, it's like, there's never a hair out of place. She's always just like maintaining this perfect veneer. Mm -hmm. And so even when like Hector gets dusted, I felt like she was more concerned with looking pretty while she cried than actually expressing the full weight of the grief. Just my hot take. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God, that's amazing. I mean, I think I've just, my only response to that is, at least in that moment, that was her dream self. And mm. I don't have an issue with her dream self being put together, I guess. But mm. um, because my reaction to her, to Lyda, is that I am seeing in her performance and in the writing, I am seeing the character that I'm seeing the foundation laid for the character as she appears later on in the story. And I appreciate that. So I actually, you know, uh, I found myself more drawn to Lida here and now than I have previously. Interesting. Um, but that's, yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. I hear that. I mean, like that was my hot take, not yours. So it's. No, you're hot. right. You're right. Um, <laughs> That's, you know, how it goes. Um, but I'm glad that you are, you're digging it. Um, not to step on Philip's film toes, but I was high the last time I watched this. Shocker. Um, and so I started to like really notice like the way it was filmed and it was like fucking brilliant yeah. like yeah these crazy close-ups on the mouths like, especially on the mouths yeah uncomfortable yeah and like the way the camera was kind of like dreamily like kind of floating everywhere and just and then there was just like the lighting like the lighting was so fucking oh. beautiful mm -hmm. like especially in that like very last sequence with the green yeah. on um yeah on all of that that was so yeah. really really awesome yeah it's a it you feel the breakdown of the dream world with the real world with shots and stuff like that it's really cool yeah yeah super awesome um and then my last little thing that i loved was like the little tiny scene with unity talking to her lawyer mm. about adopting rose and jed um was Yuri. so sweet oh, so sweet. and so like you know it was just so heartbreakingly sweet the way she was like, I may get to live a life after all. And I was like, <laughs> I loved it. So those were my hot take. Who else has some? I, I like you're bringing up um, unity because I think it, you're, I agree with you about Lida, um, Lisa. And, but it, it also, the fact that they can, for the most part, introduce all of these characters in all their weirdness and just like the strange way they occupy the world uh -huh. and have us hit on immediately and love how much screen time has Unity had? Like she's just been talking on the phone most of the time. Really? Yeah. And we love her. Um, I guess that 
I mean, hopefully I, that brings up enough goodwill in the audience that even when, like, I think that they kind of miss it with uh-huh. some characters, mm. um, they're, they're doing overall just such a good job of, of bringing us into the characters in such a short amount of time. Uh-huh. Um, I want, my hot take is that I want, I want a sitcom like recut. Like I just want it to be refilmed as a sitcom. The entire like arc of, of the Corinthian trying to be a big brother slash stepdad slash whatever. Um, because the- oh my God, I'm singing the opening theme sequence. Right. right. I, I was Nailed just about it. to say, and I'm totally, and I'm totally needs, hearing the Seinfeld music. Isn't it? It, you know? it needs a laugh track as well, because the moment when, when the Corinthian yes. gets Chad like comfortable in the hotel room and is like, do not leave this room. Mm-hmm. And he leaves and he closes the door and Jed immediately pops up and puts on his jacket and <laughs> yeah. the door. And this is how you know yeah. he has no experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we just I think to... that's an amazing <laughs> idea for a Corinthian spinoff. It's making me think of too many cooks. You guys remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so Jed. Good. We just need a quirky little like catchphrase for Jed to say every time he does something like that. Like, I don't know what it, the writers can take that. Uh, oh my gosh! And they get to play on words like "I have eyes in the back of my head" and all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> That's all I want in the world. <laughs> you think I don't know what you're up to? I have eyes everywhere. Oh my god! Yes, I love it. Oh I want to see it. That's amazing. I That's love all that. I have. I'm done. It's <laughs> um, a good one. My hot take, aside from just Boyd Holbrook being 100, mm-hmm. um, I love the song that they chose uh, to open and close this the skeletons. episode. Skeletons yeah. by the Brothers Osborne. It was such a perfect choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love all of the um, fun sort of like satirical elements of this episode as well with um, the serial killers and all of that. I just was like, this had to be so much fun for these actors, for these writers, for everybody Mm -hmm. working on this episode. It had to just be a blast. Um, What my other hot take was about the Funland guy being so perfect. Yeah. Um, of, yeah. What was the, hold on. You say yours while I find well, I was, was going to say my, uh, my, my Funland hot take is when they're trying to get into the, into the convention and, and he's like, there are no kids here. I would know. And oh, it's, it's kind of, it's gross. kind of perfect. Just like, Oh, so stop. Like, you're, yeah. so, you're the worst. Just the worst. <laughs> but, yeah. but at the same time, it's pretty funny because of course I also you, appreciated I also appreciated that the Corinthian just straight up kills him. I was just yeah. gonna mention yeah. and that this. because his fate is very different in the yeah. comics. And yeah. I'm yeah. I was yeah. glad yeah. that yeah. he he suffered this fate yes. here. I yes. preferred it. My uh, um my funland hot take was I loved the sort of like surrealist like almost Wizard of Ozzy throwback 
when Jed and Rose are running from Funland and looking at the way Funland was running. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh-huh. Which no human being actually runs like that. I don't think. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially not if they're like trying to catch you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was, it was so creepy and like <laughs> and pedophile-y. And yeah. like, yeah. you know, I was just like, ew. Oh, this whole I love like it. His whole like Disneyland talk too. Oh, oh I found that oh, But that's that's straight out of the comic. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah, well, and they totally yeah. nailed is, in uh, when they're running down the hallway and he's running in that weird way, like the mm-hmm. the like how you would run as a silhouette in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm yeah. fairly and sure was that is a silhouette in a comic. Ears, yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh man, I should be feeling ways and uncomfortable, but I'm just looking at this, being like, this is great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. yep my other hot take i debunked because i um <laughs> i was i debunked my help my own hot take i i thought the entire time i was watching the episode for the first time and even this second time prepping for this episode of the podcast um that the actress who plays the good doctor i thought <laughs> the whole time was the same actress who played Andy McPhee on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not her. <laughs> I was like, man, she looks familiar. Is that McPhee from Dawson's Creek? <laughs> and then I had to remind myself, no, we're an old person. <laughs> it's not her. But I did think That's the whole hilarious. time, I was like, good for her. <laughs> oh look at her I recognized her from good omens <laughs> it could it could be worse you could be old enough to have been too old to have watched dawson's creek <laughs> mm. you're not too mm. old to have watched dawson's creek you're just too cool that may be that may be <laughs> I'll, I'll take it i'll take it I, i'll take it hey, i'll I, limp over to that one <laughs> i was a, i was a party of five person so i'm like next step down from dawson's creek uncool Oh, um, I watched Party of Five. It's the reason why I bought so many sweaters that came down to my knuckles. Yes, <laughs> thank you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, my other hot Fantastic. take. My other hot take was uh, just the names of the serial killers. I love, like the Dutch uncle, <laughs> like an uncle that chastises you instead of, you know, like, oh, how dare you? I'm the I'm the Dutch uncle. Rawr, I'm going to chastise you and kill you or whatever. You know, it's like you can you can see like these like the 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 personalities of like the serial killers yeah. and the names completely. Uh, yeah. It was wonderful without actually also, ever seeing them. I also yeah. love that the progression of the panel room montage with Fiddler led up to the like the final one was religion because mm-hmm. the minute I saw that on the the thing I'm like oh yeah this is where it all goes to hell <laughs> this is where yeah. it all goes to shit of course he's gonna oh, yeah. realize they're horrible <laughs> in yeah. this panel. Oh my yeah. god. Um, yeah, this is it's the funny, kicker. Phil, that you mentioned that because my. Uh, that specifically, because one of my hot takes is that seeing the Dutch uncle made me think of the Dutch angle, which made me think of Philip while I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, How dare you use the Dutch angle? <laughs> chastise, <laughs> chastise. It would be um, amazing if they only filmed the Dutch uncle, uncle with Dutch, Dutch angle. Dutch angles. They should have just called um, him the Dutch angle. Yeah. They should have called I would him have, the Dutch I would have had to pause it and walk away for a minute. <laughs> I, I was about to say. He kills you by slicing. Here's the sideways. real villain. <laughs> the Dutch angle. Rawr. Um, one of my hot takes, like the opening of this episode was the weirdest, like recappy, expositiony, clunky thing in the whole show. 
Like it was super like I wa- and I didn't notice it the first episode time I watched it, but this time I was like, this is mm-hmm. clunky. I was like, yeah, and it's especially glaring because this is a Netflix show, which I'm supposed to be binging. You know, like I shouldn't have to deal with this kind of clunkosaur. <laughs> there's there, you know, um, a clunkosaur. Uh, sorry, um, freaking. I had you know this was a fun little hot take for me when we look at I think it was Rose's phone ringing. And, and it's a five 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 number, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I was like, I didn't think they did those anymore on TV. I love it. <laughs> you know, that made me happy. Um, and then my final real like uh, hot take is the killing puns they they use in that montage as you go into the hotel. Uh-huh. You know, and and this in this particular instance from Jed's perspective, you know, I could murder a good steak and blah blah blah. In the comic, it was a tone-setting device that really worked. Uh-huh. Here, this was one of those few moments that felt like they were just, they were, they were like hewing too closely to the comic because it didn't serve the same purpose. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I, it felt too tongue-in-cheek for me. Hmm. You know, I felt like it undermined the sort of sinister quality of what was going on. But then they get it back once you know you get Funland and. The creeposaurs and the clunkosaurs are all. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, those are my hot takes. I also did really love the joke that he tells. I did too. Oh god! Oh Oh, god! Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, as he was telling that joke, his delivery, Nimrod's delivery specifically, this is actually sort of a hot take that I forgot to mention. Yeah, made me feel like I was listening to the audio drama instead of watching the show. Mm. Like the Mm -hmm. way he was delivering that joke and talking into the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I I thought it was a very well done moment. Oh, that's not a crazy. Um, well yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All of it was. Yeah, so it's well like done. I'm just gonna say that, like, just to cap all of this, um, that despite any clunkosaurus or <laughs> you know minimalist nightmares <laughs> and those occupying them. Um, this episode is like low key one of my favorites. Same of the eleven, like it's same. really fucking good. So hardcore. Way to same. go, everybody! Good For job, sure. team! Mm-hmm. Yay! I mm-hmm. actually, and I'm. I still have. It was only a couple of days ago that we recorded our last episode about Rings of Power, mm-hmm. and I was really struck by. You know the nature of our criticisms here. Are so much more nitpicky or nuanced Uh than our criticisms of Rings of Power. I Uh mean, Rings of Power, it's just like, you know, I don't care about these characters. You're not doing it for me. You're not sending the, like, and here, you know, with minimal screen, we just talked about, Claire just talked about Unity Kincaid and how she's mostly only had phone calls with Rose and yet we are, (laughs) we Uh adore her. Do you know Uh what I mean? And there's a certain, there's just a level of care and craft in this show. A hundred percent. That we're taking for granted because it's Sandman and we love it and blah, blah, blah. But there are great, huge, high budget shows that don't, that, that are just tossing money at things and aren't mm-hmm. putting in the, the care. It, it doesn't feel like they're bringing the same care. I shouldn't say they're not, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they're just trying and failing, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, yeah, that could well, be about, you know, but. I'm, um, well, and I mean, it comes yeah. down to both like Lord of the Rings and Sandman are huge undertakings and beloved properties and beloved properties and all of that. And I'm not faulting 
ring anybody behind the rings of power at this point and just like not caring about stuff like i no, still... i don't yeah i don't think it's that I yeah don't think it's that. i think everyone's I, I think doing their best just, i yeah, think just... i feel like they're trying to do something different mm-hmm. and that's you know what i mean and it's just Stay tuned for our next that episode was uh, where we talk about rings of yeah. power. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> yeah, but it is All a right. very interesting thing to, yeah. to be comparing it, it, them at the same time. Yeah. I was is, very yeah. aware yeah. of it as I was totally watching and taking notes. Yes, yeah, yeah. But for sure, what Lisa said, great job, everybody, especially Boyd Holbrook. <laughs> and Mark Hamill. And Call Mark me Hamill. and Stephen Fry. It's just everybody. I don't need Everybody. to tell either one of them they're doing a good job. They've been doing they this know. forever. <laughs> but boy. Right. So <laughs> um uh, time for the word. Um so let's go around Kelly Sue that episode was boy dacious. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Kelly follow that up. That episode was killer <laughs> justin that episode was lovable oh where that episode was magically delicious <laughs> nicely done nice. um and i'll say that episode was so i'm blinking <laughs> <laughs> that episode was great i'll say that was the most basic word but come it on is. it was it just it was. was tony the tiger um all right mm. <laughs> oh there we go thanks yeah. claire for saving that yeah. for me yeah um <laughs> i've been thinking a lot about cereal slogans and i was about obviously. to say so, obviously yeah, I've, got, covered there. I've got frosted lucky charms jingles <laughs> echoing in my head right now <laughs> you, you, you laugh all right time for the recommendation kelly sue feel free to recommend your favorite cereal but also recommend what other (laughs) uh, piece of art or entertainment that you think is a good pairing with this okay um i'm gonna pull a claire and i'm gonna do two i love it the first one um is more sort of on the nose i guess um but i can't watch this serial killer convention and notice all of the ways that it is shot and styled and not recommend Mindhunter if mm. you have not seen it. Mm-hmm. It is remarkable. The performances are remarkable. Um, there's only two seasons and unfortunately they're not going to do a third. They're not? <laughs> no, it's too no. expensive. No, Fencher said that they not were happening. not going to do a third. Did he just uh, announce this? Uh, it was recent, but not yeah. like, not just now. Um, they asked oh. about it following the end of season two. And he said, I don't think there's a way we can move forward. But that could have just been a tease. Uh, I know. think I think there have been updates since then. Oh, cool. There have been, but I think that I, it's possible even the further updates from those updates are in the yeah, negative. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, anyway. But, what does but the two exist, episodes are so worthwhile. Do Oh, my gosh. What does exist, please watch it if you have not watched it. It is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other recommendation I'm going to make also based on all of these serial killers is a indie cult film that is a super blast 
I doubt anybody here has ever heard of it. And the only reason I know about it is because it stars my brother-in-law. Um, <laughs> it is called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It came out in, I believe, 2005. Um, it is such a smart movie. And it is about a documentary film crew that goes and follows a serial killer as he prepares to make his comeback. <laughs> and he's taking them through his ancestral home and showing them all the things he's going to do to the teenagers that come here every year on the day of his death. Um, and it is just really smart and really fun. And then halfway through the film, it switches over from, you know, this was when handheld found footage was really popular right and it switches over into just standard cinema and it's really really fun to watch and it's scary and it's just a blast and so it kind of touches on this sort of like oh you know I'm just out here doing this job and nobody gives me any credit but you know somebody's got to be out here doing the good work <laughs> similar thing that these serial killers are all together complaining about you know, the day job or whatever. Uh, <laughs> definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly Sue. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, we are finished talking about this episode. Um, so tune in for next week's episode number 10, the name of which I don't remember right now, but it's going to be a good one. So have a listen. Um, but until then, sweet dreams. This has been a Popsicle podcast production. The band Betty came and played, and I was all of 19 years old, 20 years old, mm. and I worked stage security for them because it was an all-girl band, you know, and the bassist, I'll never forget, the, the bassist was almost as tall as me. Wow. Like, she was a huge woman. I love her. Um, I loved her, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it was Halloween, and I came dressed as a flasher. Um, and so I'm working stage security dressed as a flasher and the whole time while they're performing, the bassist keeps sticking the neck of her guitar up the back of my jack, my coat. coat. Yeah. My trench trying to get it, trying to like, you know, That's and, uh, and then afterwards they offered me a gig traveling with them as their bodyguard. Oh, wow. Did, did wow. you, how, how long did you stay with them? I didn't stay with them. I was oh. like, I, I knew I was like 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about anybody else. I'm not mature enough to go by myself on the road with three hot chicks doing <laughs> rock and roll sex drug things. That's, that's not me. I, I, I knew that I wasn't, oh. that I would, that would ruin me. I knew that would ruin me. Very yeah. aware of you. Oh, yeah. are you kidding me? Look, I'm the guy who I would have been like, and would they let me watch Saturday morning cartoons? Like I was that guy, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 you know?